Okay, so we are live on YouTube and the video should be active. You can just search Matinee Minutia. Minutia is M-I-N-U-T-I-A-E. Matinee Minutia on YouTube. And uh, today is a special episode, so we are just playing it up here. Yeah, look at that shirt. Uh, It says The Strangers, uh, and I see some like spooky faces on there, DJ. What was that movie? It was a early 2000s film. I want to say it was 2004. And among the stars in it was uh, the uh, pop star Aerosmith's daughter, Liv Tyler. So this was shortly after she started doing films. The uh, film that she'd done a few years before this was one with Tom Hanks called That Thing You Do. Okay. So, But uh, it's just a, a horror movie about a young couple that uh, is on the rocks and they go to a cabin in the woods and all sorts of things happen from there. So shall I uh, play our theme music, sir? Let's get her underway. Okay. What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of the golden oldies. And a smidge in a stream. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. Greetings. This is Toppy Smelly reporting live from the Marionette Theater in Spud Flats, New York. I'm your host for this, our, our third, yes, third live streaming episode of Matinee Minutia here on the Univaz Network. I bid you welcome. In the seat next to me is my friend, fellow podcaster, creator, and star of Matinee Minutia. Uh, welcome, DJ Star Sage. Hey there. Hi there, folks. How are you doing this fine evening, Mr. Smelly? I'm pretty good. I'm all up on the Halloween stuff. I'm eager, <clears throat> ready, and willing to be spooky this episode. Uh, how about you? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm just slightly disappointed. I couldn't find that uh halloween candy that has the the little black cats and the bats in it they seem oh, to be yeah. out this year oh that's a shame i love those things you know all of our independent candy companies are disappearing and uh maybe that's among them but i digress so we are here tonight because we have a love of movies and television and uh when we last got together we uh, we put that magician's coin in the machine, and uh, we popped out a little piece of info for you on what we're going to watch today. And Poppy, if you will, please let our listeners know uh, the hints that we gave out last episode for today's program. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a, a 1932 movie starring Boris Karloff, and uh, I think that was about it, wasn't it? Did we say more? Well, it, since it's got Boris Karloff, I'd say there's a good chance it's a, probably a horror movie, right? Well, yeah, although some would say no, some would say yes. It may not reach the uh, arena of horror, but uh, it was certainly this movie, folks, I'm so into. 
and it has it sort of introduced so many of the tropes that would come later in so many horror movies uh, over the years, right up to the present. You might say this movie started it all. I'd say that's a pretty good lead there. So um, normally, before we begin the program, we head on over for some refreshments where we give you a few more leads on what we're going to be talking about. So, Toppy, take it away. All right. Um, Well. Okay. So. Our popcorn lady is here, and and she's going to be uh, showing us a few things that have been laid out. These are a few more clues. Yeah, okay. So right here. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Gertrude. I'm Gertie. They call me Gertie. And uh, I run run the concession stand here. So uh, the first thing I got here is a bowl of uh, boiled potatoes. You see that? Oh, yeah, and they've even got the skins on them, just like I like them. Uh, yeah, it's lovely. Uh, Gertie, uh, what else do you got there? Okay, so moving on, uh, we got um, a great big, uh, 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 what do we have? Uh, it's, oh. These look like these could be served in a martini? Well, yeah. Um, there's lots of drinks. This this movie is all about people drinking as they get to know each other. You know what I mean? Like as people do. Uh, they socialize and, uh, you know, booze comes into it. You know what I, I mean? You know, uh, those look good. Let me have one of those pickled onions. Oh, well, that's the other thing, DJ, is the uh, the other clue is a, a relish plate. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, the relish plate, uh, which is what? Well, it's like pickles and pickled onions and bullshit and stuff like that. And what's this box over here next to the rest of this here? It's That's not food. What is that? Well, that's uh, what. Well, I don't know. What would you say that is, TJ? I don't know. You well, you tell me. It looks like a box of matches. Oh, my God. That's true. Well, that's a good clue because, uh, to be honest with you, there's a bit of a pyromaniac in this movie. Yeah, that's that's why I have the matches. Okay, good, goody. All right. And you got this. This other thing here now, um, I, I know you have some hobbies, Gertie, but did you have to bring it into work here? I mean, there's a dollhouse here, but Toppy, did you notice something interesting about this dollhouse? There's there's a lot of furniture in it, but it's missing from some of the room. Well, I think I know what you mean. There's no beds, DJ. Oh. There's no beds in that dollhouse. Well, that's not very nice for guests. Yeah, well, that's another stupid clue for your audience. Do you need me anymore, or can I leave? Oh, go have your smoke break. All right. uh, Bye-bye, Gertie. Okay, bye. Do-do-do. Oh, yes. No, it's fine. Okay, sign me out with my song. Okay. There you go. I think it's time for her to go home. Uh, she's left uh, her brassiere here again, DJ. <laughs> I'll just put it in the drawer with the other ones. Well, DJ, let's 
give the reveal. What the hell is the shoe, the movie we're talking about tonight? Give us the lowdown. Okay, folks. So grab your popcorn and your drink and sit down because we're going to talk about a classic. This movie was virtually forgotten. It's one of those films that Hollywood thought they lost. And it is The Old Dark House, the original from 1932. Excellent. I got to tell you, DJ, this is one of my most favorite movies. I discovered it, I don't know, only three years ago when I happened to stumble across uh, an original uh, grimy print of it on YouTube. And I watched it and I was simultaneously shocked and amused by it. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah, it does take me back. I mean, uh, one of the things that I've mentioned uh, is that growing up, my dad had a great love of films, and I adored a lot of the classics. I mean, one of the reasons we were doing this show is because there are so many films these days that people don't know are actually remakes. And then oftentimes the original was the inspiration because it was just that darn good. And so um, The Old Dark House from 1932 with Boris Karloff. And there is just a laundry list of up-and-coming people in this film here. So normally what we do from here is we go ahead and talk about what was going on in the world at the time of this movie. So you can kind of wrap your mind around, uh, you know, what was happening to those who were going to the theater when this came out. So yeah, 1932 DJ lay it on us. Okay. Well, most notably 1932 was the last year of the great depression. And as hubby Billy noted, there was a fair amount of escapism. People wanted to get away from the everyday world. So they were going to the movies quite often because maybe their loved ones were, you know, uh, overseas, or maybe they'd lost their shirt in the stock market. And uh, in 1932, among the things that happened was the first woman was elected to U.S. Senate. We also had the first daytime soap opera beginning on radio. Wow. Yes, and uh, the son of Charles Lindbergh was kidnapped. So, those of you who've heard about the Lindbergh baby, that's what happened. This, this young couple with a pilot that traveled around the world in record time, his child was kidnapped in 1932. <laughs> that's right. Guess what, folks? Uh, conspiracy theorists continue to talk about what really happened. And uh, anyways, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> the Dow Jones was at its lowest average since the Depression. Buck Rogers debuted on radio, and Radio City Music Hall opened in New York City, and that, that basically signaled the end of the vaudeville period, which is how this theater got its start. Uh, and That's so- right. Uh, and this, uh, we're talking about the Marionette Theater, where we're sitting in the chairs, uh, which DJ... Not all that comfortable, to be honest with you. <laughs> they have old chairs. You know, we, we might want to bring our own cushions like folks do that come to church. Well, honestly. But anyways, go ahead. So some of the important people that came into the world in 1932 included future U.S. Senator Ted Kennedy. We also had 
uh, Hollywood celebrity and star Elizabeth Taylor and the one, uh, the mother of everyone's favorite space princess, Carrie Fisher. Her mother was Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds. And uh, guess what? Elizabeth Taylor and Debbie Reynolds had quite a history together. Uh, let's just say there was no lost love between these two. I can imagine. Back in the day, they they probably had a boyfriend or two they fought over, at, at least. At least. Uh, DJ, what were the other films that were released in 1932? Give us a, 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 a look at that. Uh, uh, yes. So, as I was saying, 32 was the last year of the Depression, and there were a boatload of movies that came out that year. I mean, it's amazing. If you look this up, people... You will have a list a mile long, but the most notable ones included Grand Hotel, which starred the ever famous Greta Garbo, who said, I want to be alone. <laughs> we have Hell's House with Betty Davis, which I was confused about until I read a little about it. It's not like Hell House. It's Hell's House. It's about uh, a foster home situation. Uh-huh. Uh, a very common theme in the days of the depression. Sort of like uh, little orphan Annie. Yes. Which is another movie that was released that year, which little orphan Annie, of course got its star as a comic strip. It was also a radio serial, but in 1932, the first film with little orphan Annie was released. That's right. Uh, just, just uh, to emphasize little orphan Annie, it was phenomenally popular and uh, as a daily and Sunday strip in the newspapers, it was a continued story that had like a plot going on every day and it would continue and continue as many of the comic strips did at the time. Uh, but uh, Little Orphan Annie certainly captured a lot of love from a lot of people. And that's why uh, we translate over into movies and radio. And then there's just a handful of other films that came out that year that were of note. We have Madam Butterfly, which uh, in more recent years has had different versions made. But the original story starred Cary Grant in a very different tale than those you saw in later versions. But it, there was a fascination with the Far East at that time that was portrayed in this film. We also have... Another film with the star from tonight's program, Mr. Boris Karloff, in what was the original, The Mummy. So if you've seen the more recent years, Brendan Fraser movie, The Mummy, this is the original, the true classic. And I would say the best. There was a whole series of universal movies uh, that uh, spawned. Uh, from the original Boris Karloff movie. And there's a lot of nice things about all of them. But really, the original is probably the most heralded. And the last film on the list for 1932 was another film that uh, had its roots in the fascination with the Far East. It was a film with uh, star Marlena Dietrich, who... Uh, was very famous because during her heyday, the Nazi party in Germany tried to recruit her to uh, to gain popularity with the people. And she said, no, go away. But this movie <laughs> was called Shanghai Express. 
And uh, I, for one, am uh, going to try to track down a copy of this because it seems pretty fascinating. Uh, long story, not so short, basically, Marlena Dietrich has uh, gained a, a name for herself in her travels. And she runs into an old boyfriend on the train who, who doesn't know she's going by a different name these days. Hmm. Very interesting. I am not familiar with this movie, so I might want to catch this. So now, me, that's yeah. what's going on in the world in 1932. And we have a, a celebrated cast here. Did you want to let the listeners know some of the great people that are featured in tonight's story? That's right. Uh, the Old Dark House has really just, I mean, when you think about it now, uh, today, and you look back at this cast, you think, holy cow, these guys had long-running careers that stretched right up to today. And uh, first of all, uh, it starred, the, uh, the headliner was Boris Karloff. And this is coming right off of his premiere movie, Frankenstein. And Boris Karloff, you got to understand, before we get into The Old Dark House, the impact of Frankenstein. This movie really was, in every way, a blockbuster of its time. Nobody had seen anything like it. The makeup with Boris Karloff playing the monster frightened people in a way you don't understand because not nothing like this had ever been seen this frankenstein movie propelled boris karloff out of obscurity into a major star that everyone knew about because of frankenstein and this movie the old dark house was the next movie karloff did it happened to be with the same director and many of the same production crew from Universal that did Frankenstein. And he, you got to understand, uh, Boris Karloff had been in Hollywood doing meager parts for years. And he didn't make a lot of money. And one of the reasons Boris looks so... Uh, cadaverous in Frankenstein is that the guy was literally starving to death. He didn't have enough to eat. And so when you look at his gaunt face in Frankenstein, it's because the poor guy couldn't, I mean, he was just kind of starving. Anyways, this the Frankenstein propelled Boris Karloff like nothing else. And when uh, this movie, the next movie Karloff was in, The Old Dark House, there was the very first thing you see in the movie is a production note that says, hi, this is Boris Karloff that you're seeing here. It's the same guy that was in Frankenstein. We just wanted to make sure you knew. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what that's what it meant because Karloff was in such heavy makeup in Frankenstein. And here he is in the next movie. And the producers seem to feel like, 
oh my God, we we got to make sure that this audience really knows that this is Karloff. And because Karloff had just become a sensation, and that's how important his name was all of a sudden. And so the first thing you see is a note from the producers that says, yep, this is Karloff, and he looks a lot different from Frankenstein, but yeah, this is Karloff. That's how important Boris Karloff had become uh, before this movie was released. You couldn't recognize him unless they told you who it was, but the poor the poor guy, he only got to show a little bit more of his face in the, the, the role before it, and uh, he did have some speaking, although... It was a little mumbled, but um, more importantly, Mr. Boris Karloff not only had had at least a dozen acting roles before this, although, yes, they, they might have been supporting roles and bit parts, but later on, he would also become one of the founding members of the Screen Actors Guild. Oh, so right, DJ. And uh, that's a really important thing to note about Karloff is that... Uh, that's where his mind was, and and he really was part of a, a burgeoning desire by the actress to form a union, just say, you know, there's certain things we're just not going to do. We're not going to work for 20 hours straight, and we're not going to blah, blah, blah. And Boris Karloff was right there at the very beginning. And, uh, you know, some of the things that uh, you can read about Mr. Karloff was that as he was one of the founding members of the Screen Actors Guild, he didn't trust, you know, uh, the everyday man. He wanted to make sure that his business was conducted in confidence. So he used to carry around rolls of coins with him so that he could use payphone to conduct union business. Uh, because you had to be a little bit secretive, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so some of the other people that were in this movie weren't quite as established as Mr. Karloff. Mr. Melvin Douglas, one of his co-stars, had only been in his sixth role, so one could say he's only had half the experience of Mr. Karloff. And uh, he wouldn't even find his signature role for another seven years. He starred in a film with Greta Garbo, and that's when people actually finally discovered, who's this guy, Melvin Douglas? That's absolutely true. And I'd like to point out here, uh, Melvin Douglas, Melvin Douglas, who was this guy? Well, there was a movie uh, done, oh, God, I think in the 80s, I think, and it was called Being There with Peter Sellers. Melvin Douglas played the rich old man in that movie. So modern audiences, you know, might know him from that role but his credits go all the way back and here he is in 1932 as kind of he kind of he's kind of the hero of this movie yeah we meet him fairly early on and um toppy there is a couple of more uh people in the cast here yeah one of note and if you attended our live show for the last episode you would have heard toppy mention that there is a lady who took a break from acting for a while. Who was that that was in this film? I think you're talking about Gloria Stewart. Yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, again, modern-day audiences would know her from 
Titanic, directed by James Cameron. Gloria Stewart's that old woman who starts out in the beginning and she tells the whole story about the Titanic. That's her. And here she is back in 1932 as a young woman. And uh, she's very pretty. And uh, here she is. And you can see her. You know, all those years later, it's just kind of fascinating just seeing her, you know, because all I knew about her was seeing her in the Titanic. And when I saw this, it's like, wow, you know, here's what she looked like all those years ago. And what's interesting as we get into the movie is that her character, as she shows up in the the uh, the setting of the movie, um, you know, explains that she's a chorus girl. And yeah. that actually, you know, ideally could have been how Gloria Stewart might have gotten her start in the beginning of her career was maybe as a chorus girl. So maybe not playing so much as a character as being herself on the set. Well, maybe, but let me just make a slight correction, DJ, just a slight. Now, this is, I can see why you easily confuse this, but uh, um, she was in the uh, first scene of the movie as the wife of Philip. And, oh, she uh, yeah, the call girl who came came in later uh, is, is is a different actress. So that's just to make oh. that clear. Okay. Uh, so it was. Uh, anyways, let's get into the, the uh, brief plot synopsis, which I could just say, well. The old dark house folks set the stage for everything that came after it. There's one movie, a silent movie called The Cat and the Canary, that maybe even had the tropes earlier in the silent movie days. But here in the old dark house, we've got all of the tropes for the next you know, 100 years of haunted house movies. This movie started it all, which is a, another reason why you should see it. The plot is a, a bunch of stranded travelers, and they stumble upon a strange old house, and eventually they find themselves at the mercy of a highly eccentric and potentially dangerous family that's just a brief synopsis and it happens in the middle of a storm uh, keep that uh, thunderstorm sound clip handy dj shall i play it again (laughs) why not It was a dark and stormy night, and there was a young couple who was escaping to the countryside. And little did they know that they would be uh, caught in a deluge, and the the earth would just come tumbling down upon them, and they would find themselves before a dark old house. Yeah, oh, I just wonder if when you saw that uh, the the scene of the mudslide, did you did you see that as a, as a model piece? It was a, a miniature that they did. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked like it might have been stock footage, as they call it nowadays. Well, it wasn't. It was it was done for that movie, but to accomplish the effect, it was a a, a little remote controlled car. And uh, 
and it was a model, and uh, and the uh, mudslide was slowed down a bit. It was spe- it was one of the movie's only special effects uh, uh, shots. Yeah, and as you were saying, this establishes so many of the tropes that are in horror films to this day. I mean, up until the point where they meet the uh, you know the man of the house. Um, this, you know, sets the tone for so many things. I mean, it's like the first, like, 10 minutes of Rocky Horror Picture Show, even. <laughs> well, you know, that's absolutely true, because really, the plot of the Rocky Horror Picture Show and the plot of the old Dark House are kind of similar. Uh, people stranded go into a strange place, and they meet strange people. That's That's the plot of both movies. Yes, and until you actually get inside the house, and of course, in this uh, story, in the old dark house, they don't quite ask to use the phone, because I think from the side of the house, they know that they probably don't have a phone. Of course, this is also 1932, so you know they, they probably realize that folks in the country may not have a phone just yet. Or it was always out, especially during a storm. Lights and the phone would go out. Uh, and uh, as they uh, came into the household and they were greeted by the manservant, Mr. Morgan, we are greeted by the big name of this film, Mr. Boris Karloff. And so you're, you're led to wonder who is this this uh, mysterious man that answers the door and lets him in. And of course, then the, the main head of the household comes out. Harris. Yes, Horace. Which, which um, uh, uh, part of the the wonderful characteristics of this movie is first of all the set. It's very gothic. It's very effective. And the first time we see Horace, he's coming down the staircase, and the camera tracks in lower than him he and the camera kind of looks up and the actor has a really weird face he's perfectly cast he's got kind of a i don't know uh a weird nose and he's just very weird looking and the camera tracks right in on him and you know that we're in for something strange it's and it's just um very interesting because as as somebody uh who grew up in america and you know this story it should be noted is supposed to be set in the countryside it's in england and this young couple has found themselves in wales so you know it's supposed to be a little bit removed it's off the beaten path and it might be a little strange to most common people and um you know, he he starts speaking to the man, and uh, he he says something. And he's like, "Well, that doesn't sound like Welsh, even." <laughs> yeah, there is a point. And the you know, well, the fact is, the people produced in the movie knew damn well that nobody spoke like a Welsh person, and I think they threw that in there. It's just sort of a, I don't know what, just sort of a, you know, hey, you know, haha. You know, it takes place in Welsh, but uh, it's you know, <laughs> nobody talks like that. 
we, we, we couldn't afford a person who could actually speak Welsh, so we're just going to go ahead and pretend like the Spaghetti Westerns. <laughs> kind of, sort of. Uh, 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 one of the other actors uh, who makes his Hollywood premiere is Charles Lawton, and he's kind of the only guy that speaks uh, with anything that could be called a UK accent. Oh, yes, and uh, you know he's supposed to be the... The, the atypical representation of culture, because he arrives a little bit later when uh, everyone's getting ready for dinner. And, right. you know, he's the, he's the guy that arrives with the call girl. You're thinking. Oh, yes. But more importantly, he's introduced as Sir William. And it's it, ironically, it's Porterhouse. Ah. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Oh, listen, Charles Lawton went on he did so many great roles but here's his first hollywood movie and you gotta see the character that he creates for this movie and it's wonderful it's eccentric and dj did you kind of think this guy is gay yeah he he was definitely a fancy man as they might have said in the day you know he, he had a sense of fashion with her with him and um you know as you go into the film and and you're you're learning about each of the characters there's a point where the call girl is talking to the the uh, the gentleman that arrives first there in the car yeah uh, melvin douglas melvin douglas and she's explaining that uh you know the guy only likes her for her her company she doesn't really think he's interested right that's what i'm thinking of you know these are subtle things in the movie. The director, James Wales, who's a freaking weirdo. <laughs> Anyways, by all accounts, but a very clever uh, director, a very clever writer, very c- c- uh, creative uh, person. I, I, I have to believe that his vision here really is, and this is pre-code, Hollywood, which means these sorts of uh, innuendos were kind of allowed. Whereas after the code, you 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 would not see any of this. Frankly, this movie could not have been made pre-code because this movie is weird. The characters are weird, and uh, it's not overstated, but. Yeah, Charles Lawton is this character that comes in with a woman, and he. We eventually find find out that their relationship is very platonic. That and and one concludes maybe because of the eccentric performance by Charles Lawton that maybe he's a gay man. Yeah, because you know he he has a sense of style about him. He's actually dressed better than the others, and he cares about his clothes. He comes in. And, you know, he seems to be straightening himself, dusting himself off. And here everybody has come in from the rain. They know that they've all been wrung out to dry. <laughs> it's a good, uh, good time to go fill your glass. And, uh, and we'll be back. It's intermission time, folks. So hurry, hurry, hurry. Step right over to our refreshment center for the most extravagant array of refreshment goodies ever assembled under one roof. Enjoy breathtaking, mouth-watering goodies. Everything from a snack to a delicious full meal. At our refreshment center, you'll find a large variety of goodies to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, or your sweet tooth. So hurry, hurry, hurry. Visit our refreshment center now.
you know what, DJ? I've forgotten. We've got some film clips. Why don't we play uh, the first one? Uh, clip number one, which sort of uh, is this actual clip is a uh, compilation for a recently compiled Blu-ray edition of the movie. So this is not the original uh, trailer for the movie, but it's for the newly released uh, Blu-ray version. Can you play that, DJ? Sure, and I have some local uh, trivia I can add to that, so we'll go ahead and play it. Not again, louder. I should have thought that was loud enough to wake the dead. Come on, me, Morgan. Let them in. I'm sorry to barge in on you like this, but <laughs> needs must when the devil drives. <laughs> you will have to stay here. The misfortune is yours. He's alive! It's alive, I tell you! You're afraid, aren't you? You don't seem to understand. We may be cut off. That is uh, for the Blu-ray edition. Uh, Folks, it's weird. The original placard for this movie that would show up in the theaters in a type that was larger than the title, larger than uh, the type for uh, the stars or anything, was one word, and it was weird. That was the word that the producers decided to put to advertise this movie. And the characters in this house, the old dark house, are all weird. Absolutely. Now, a little bit of side trivia that I wanted to add was that the the more recently released Blu-ray copy. Yeah. That, of course, a lot of times when a film, an older film is released, uh, a, with a Blu-ray copy, it's because they've found an original negative of the of the actual film, so they can do a higher quality reproduction on it. Well, the uh, the Blu-ray of the Old Dark House that has just been uh, sent out to the to the world was actually due in part to an effort uh, they got involved with the uh, Rochester, New York george eastman house and of course yes for those who don't know the great history of the northeast the kodak corporation was founded in rochester new york george eastman was the founder and uh, this is part of his estate film students in the northeast uh you know are, are well aware of the george eastman house because not only is it a museum to the history of the company and the man himself but it's also a celebration to uh, the art of film because they 
they have their own theater there because George Eastman was a, a well-to-do man in his day and he actually had his own private theater and it's open to the public. Uh, well, you, you do pay an admission, but they, they show art films there and the old dark house was restored, preserved and brought to Blu-ray due in part to the George Eastman house. Uh, by the fact that they had a, a good quality negative. Mm-hmm. So the Dirge Eastman house, I used to live in Rochester and frankly, one of the great features of Rochester, New York was the George Eastman house. And it, 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 it saved because Eastman was so involved in uh, film and photography that he saved so many uh, negatives and that's where they got the negative for this movie to put to to recreate on the blu-ray and make it this crystal clear wonderful version you know i have not seen it i've had to settle with the youtube version uh, of a really old print and that's what i'm used to and I, I cannot wait for the day to see this restored version which coincidentally the, the in the uk in, in england this film w- was a much greater success over there yeah i can i can imagine it has partly a draw too because you know the characters relate with um the culture there especially going to wales for the weekend uh yeah. the there now um i should also note we we don't uh often say where we find these things but as we are talking sometimes about things that are hard to find i just want to go ahead and mention that aside from youtube there may be a slightly better copy of this available through a service called shutter s-h-u-d-d-e-r like you shutter because you're frightened it's it's a horror channel and it's available to folks through different various different platforms, including Roku. So it's a streaming service and they let you sign up for a free trial. So the old dark house is available on shutter. If you, uh, if you want to see something maybe uh, slightly prettier, but anyways, you're saying that the, the folks in this were, you know, uh, odd people. And that's certainly evident when you're introduced to the characters because they're getting ready for dinner and you meet the brother and sister. Now, you would think that uh, this is the big old house. This would be somewhere that there's a generation of family. There should be children. There should be grandkids. But it's just this older brother and sister. Yeah, and, who never married. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're basically spinsters. And, and you, you're left to wonder, you know, what's wrong with these people? Why are they alone? <laughs> And the next clip I'm going to ask you to play starts to set this up because uh, uh, Gloria Stewart in her character wants to get out of her wet clothes. And she asks uh, the the mistress of the house to take her somewhere where she can ch- uh, change clothes. And in this next clip, uh, the woman of the house starts talk about a lot of stuff that's pretty weird. So why don't you play that clip? It's okay. number two. Very kind of you to let us stay. What? I say you're very kind. Yes, it's a good dress tonight. I'm a little bit. I understand. 
She was a wicked one, handsome and wild as a hawk. All the young men used to follow her about, with her red lips and her big eyes and her white neck. But that didn't save her. She fell off her horse, hunting, hurt her spine. On this bed she lay, month after month. Many of the time I sat here listening to her screaming. Oh, dread. She used to cry out to me to kill her, but I'd tell her to turn to the Lord. But she didn't. She was godless to the last. Well, I'd better change my wet thing. They were all godless here. They used to bring their women here. Brazen, lulling creatures in silks and satins. They filled the house with laughter and sin. Laughter and sin. And if I ever went down among them, my own father and brothers, they would tell me to go away and pray. They wouldn't tell Rachel to go away and pray. <laughs> and I prayed and left them with their lustful red and white women. My father's still alive. He's upstairs. He's very old. Oh, is he? He's 102. Very old, isn't it? He's a wicked, blasphemous old man. You're wicked, too. Young and handsome, silly and wicked. You think of nothing but your long, straight legs and your white body and how to please your man. You revel in the joys of fleshly love, don't you? That's fine stuff. A little rotten. That's final stuff still, but it'll rot too in time. Don't! How dare you! <laughs> so creepy, creepy, creepy from the get-go. These groups of uh, people that come in for shelter, they're confronted by these, the, the man, the man and, and mistress of the house brother and sister and they're fucking oh they're weird they're just plain weird and what i thought was the strangest part was when the the young lady asked to change her clothes you know she goes uh, she goes to the trouble of telling her that it used to be her dead sister's bedroom yeah and then she goes about the business of touching her she's like oh yes. well that's nice like, that's going to rot. And then she touches her skin and she says, that's going to rot, too. Yeah, th that's what happens in the clip we just heard. She's fascinated by the expensive cloth of her uh, dress. And then she's, she touches the skin and, and also, you know, ew, ew, ew. it's weird, man. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yes. We meet the brother and sister, and then we find out that they are holding a secret. And of course, the first secret you heard in the clip there, she let the cat out of the bag. My father is still living. He's old, but we have him tucked away. Yeah. Why don't we play that clip next? Because in this clip, two of the characters, Gloria Stewart and Melvin Douglas, come up and find in a secluded room a uh, an invalid and it happens to be a 102 year old man uh, the father of of the woman 
who has greeted them all. And let's play that clip. Who are you? I'm Mrs. Braverton. This is my husband. Are you Sir Roderick Ben? We, we came in because we thought we heard you calling. Can we get you anything? Can you take it yourself or shall I give it to you? I can take it myself. Thank you. What was that noise? Was it uh, Morgan? Yes. Morgan is a savage. I, uh, I must apologize. But we have to keep him here. You shouldn't have come here. I'm very sorry, but really we couldn't help it. Oh, I, I don't mean that. I was never inhospitable. Never. <laughs> this house was always filled with guests once upon a time. <laughs> when you came, what did they tell you? Why, they told us you were an invalid. Was that all? Yes. You've seen my son, Horace, and his sister, Rebecca. Yes. And Morgan. I would like to tell you all about it, but there may not be time. You see, when you're as old as I am, at any minute you may just die. <laughs> oh, please don't talk of the tiles. This is an unlucky house. Two of my children died when they were 20. And then other things happened. Madness came. <laughs> we are all touched with it a little, you see. Except me. At least I, I don't think I am. <laughs> Would you like to go to sleep now? No, not just yet. You see, it may be... It may be what? Dangerous. You mean Morgan? No, not Morgan. I mean from my eldest son, Saul. Saul? They didn't tell you about Saul. No, they didn't. Saul is the worst, you know. We have to watch him because, you see, he, wants, he just wants to destroy, to kill. Poor Saul. Where is he? I know where he is. He's upstairs behind that bolted door, isn't he? Yes. Lock him. Saul is why we have to keep Morgan. But if he did get out? Saul quite certainly would set fire to the house. Hmm. So here, this is where we find out from this old man. By the way, DJ, when you saw this... Were you confused like me whether this was a woman or a man? Because when I first saw this, I could not figure this the fuck out. You know, they, they say that acting uh, was the the uh, invention, you know, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And acting was the originator of gender bending because when you had roles in Shakespeare and whatever, they didn't always make sure that a man played a man's part or a woman played a woman's part. And this is one of those examples, you know, they, they were looking for somebody who is so feebly old that they were bedridden. But I, I would tend to agree. I think that they did have a woman playing this role because you can't fake that sort of a, a, a tone in the voice. I think it was a woman. Now, no, for it, it was a woman. And she played the role because James Whale could not find a male actor that appeared old enough and he had this 
woman who was old and it just it just happened that way but in spite of the voice and the weird because this is the way it happened you're hearing somebody who's supposed to be a man but sounds like a woman and it just adds to the weirdness of the whole damn thing yes and um you know it, it you you have to um you have to admire the techniques too because I mean, nowadays, you know, we've got an eight-foot screen in our living room, for example. You can see all the teeny details. And sure, clearly they may have just, um, you know, tacked on some tissue paper to her face to make it look aged. But for the time, that was pretty good makeup, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I got to tell you, the visuals on this ancient 102 or whatever year old character is, well, creepy, first of all. <laughs> the face is very fuzzy with fur and it just it's just creepy as all get out so there you go folks that was william castle's version in 1963 and frankly for a lot of years that's the movie people remember when you said the old dark house people had forgotten about the 32 original because it had been out of circulation for a long time Universal Pictures for television in the 50s put out all of their movies, all of their Universal Monster movies in a package. But the old Dark House, for whatever reason, was not included. And so the old Dark House was never on TV. Just think of uh, when you were a kid and monster movie matinee, and they'd play Frankenstein, Dracula, everything, but not the old dark house. And it was considered lost, particularly when the 1963 movie came out. Uh, Some of the rights switched around and the 1932 original was just in obscurity. Nobody knew about it. I certainly didn't. I never saw it until I found a damn copy of it on YouTube. And what's interesting to note about the 1963 remake is that it added several new elements that weren't part of the original story. Like, there was an inheritance and there was a will, but there were terms. You had to be home before midnight and you had to be at dinner. And um, one of the things that uh, was interesting about it was it starred Tom Proston, who, until years later, wouldn't be more well-known for his role on the Newhart show, on Bob Newhart. So That's right. when you watch that, you're going to see a very familiar face in his younger years. But all in all, because it was a color movie, Boris Karloff didn't want to have anything to do with starring in it. So he uh, made personal appearances to help promote it. And uh, one other small side note was that the opening sequence for the 1963 remake starred the artistic talents of one Charles Adams, who created the Adams family. Oh, tell me more about that. What 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 did he do for the movie? Well, it was just a, a you know a, a um, animated opening sequence, which was very popular. Oh. A lot of Disney films used it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It featured brush strokes, and he signed his artwork in the opening sequence as Chaz Adams, which was how Charles Adams signed his name. Okay. Uh, there there was a, you know, to cross promote a little bit, there's a podcast called Stuff You Missed in History. 
And there were a couple of episodes recently about Charles Adams that were quite interesting. Well, uh, for people who don't know, Charles Adams was a cartoonist. He did. He was famous for his cartoons in the New Yorker magazine, and his cartoons were about this family called the Adams family. Well, guess what? Uh, in the '60s, late '60s, there was a TV show called The Adams Family. That TV show was based on the weird one-panel cartoons uh, that would appear in the New Yorker. So that's that's what that holds. But I did not know that he was that Adams was part of any of the design of that 1963 movie, DJ. I think he had very limited involvement. I think he did only just do the opening sequence. But he was a fan of Boris Karloff because uh, his early films did inspire a lot of the art direction for some of Charles Adams' works, including the Adams family. Mm-hmm. So. He, he wanted to uh, make a tribute to Boris, and he, he did that by agreeing to uh, animate the opening sequence. Awesome. Now, I got to tell you, folks, I tried like hell to watch this 1963 version by William Castle starring Tom Post. Uh, DJ, I think you got a little further along with it, maybe even completed it, but I... <laughs> Could not, but I swear to you, I will try again uh, because it is nothing like the 1932 original. Uh, the 63 version was played more for laughs. They took liberties. It's really a thing unto itself. DJ, did you see the whole thing? I saw 90% of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it should be said that the old dark house original is not actually a very long film, which for its time, it was a typical runtime, a little bit over an hour and 15 minutes or so. Pardon me. But, um, this 1963 remake was just a touch longer. I think it was like an hour and 22 minutes closer to the typical runtime of that time. But again, it introduced some elements that weren't part of the original, like the, the will and the inheritance. Mm-hmm. And there, twin brothers who knew you know you you have somebody who mysteriously dies in the beginning after they arrive and you think oh no he's lost his friend well wait a minute there's someone that looks just like him and they end up being twins and uh, you know the campiness just ensues there there's a a uh a spinster daughter there who um you know she she has many boyfriends many suitors and uh, you know she she tries to dress nicely. <laughs> and, uh, you know she shows up to dinner looking like she's dressed for an evening out when everybody else just sticks to the house. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a fun film. The fact that it's in color probably detracts from uh, the story of being old dark house, and that's one of the reasons Boris Karloff wouldn't be in it because it was a little too campy. But uh, Toffee, I think that. Uh, you know, we are uh, getting close to the end of our hour. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, when I came in, I think I saw some envelopes over there in the box office. All right. Uh, Gertie, uh, Gertie uh, could you go fetch those for us? Ah, uh, sure. Whatever. Fine. Yeah. Here you go. Okay. Have TJ. So uh, after our first couple of episodes, we got some listener interaction and we want to take a moment to thank everybody for reaching out to us. So firstly, I wanted to mention 
that uh, after our last episode about Perry Mason aired, we had a uh, message from Miss Kathy Bacon, a, uh, a widely known listener of all podcasts. Great. And uh, she mentioned that her guest, or sorry, her guests, no T in that, uh, for last episode was the Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> 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 and she said that Toppy might understand what she meant by that. Uh, that, that Kathy Baker is a card. I don't know. I'm not sure how Dick Van Dyke might have fit there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> now, over on our webpage at Matinee Minutia, M I N U T I A E, I think I'm going to be spelling that right off in here, Matinee Minutia.com. We had a comment that was left by a listener, and this happens to be a friend of mine from here in Oslo. We'll call him uh, Nurse Polly. And uh, he mentioned, he said, uh, and this was in relation to our first episode, Queen of the Galaxy. He said, Yeppers, I did listen. Wasn't a fan of Barbarella or Jane Fonda, but yes, she was good in 9 to 5. And that mentioned a Star Trek. Well, it was a good episode. Good show. And then lastly, we have an email that I'd like to get to. And this happens to be from friend of the show and Lotzel co-star for Mr. Smelly here, Miss Brenda Boo of the Tinopas. So Brenda wrote in to us and she said, just listen to both of your episodes and I really enjoyed them. I love the details and trivia you came up with for both shows. Makes me want to do a show with you as a guest sometime. Hmm. All right. And finishes by saying, good job jumping between the chat room and your prepared material. I look forward to your shows in the future. Love, Brenda. Well, thank you so much, Brenda, Nurse Polly, and uh, Kathy Bacon. Of course, we're at matineeminutia.com and uh, listen to the end of the show for the rest of the credits here. So, Mr. Smelly, uh, I had such a fun time here. Let's get out those coins here. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. And what do you have there, sir? You got I, that? I, I got a capsule. I'll open it. Oh. There we go. Uh, there's a piece of paper in here. This is going to tell us what the hell. Oh, this is supposed to be a clean lyric, a, a clean show, and I keep swearing. I'm well, very not, sorry. Not the F-bomb, but you're fine. Uh, okay. All right. So, <laughs> anyways, our next little shoe on matinee uh, minutia. Here's the clues, kids. It's going to be a TV series. Yes, a TV series. Think late 1970s. It takes place in space. And I'm not talking about Buck Rogers. So that's the hint for our next journey on Matinee Minutia. And we're going to spaz out and nerd out about this TV show. And uh, you have a chance to uh, possibly guess as to what it is. DJ, explain how uh, in a couple of days on Monday, for example, there'll be an opportunity for people to 
find out and spoil it for themselves because some people may want to actually see what we're talking about. Some people may want to guess. So how does yes. that work? So matinee minutia works a little bit like Christmas morning. You can <laughs> either open your presents or you could take a little peek. Now we gave you just a little bit of a peek just now. But if you really want to know and you want to play along, you want to know what we're watching for our next show, which coincidentally or incidentally is going to be on Friday, November 9th, right here on Univaz. Uh, we are going to place a hint for you on the Matinee Minutia website. Go to matineeminutia.com and click on the link that says next show. There you'll have a strip of paper that says what we're watching next, and it will share with you the details of what we just revealed, a 1970s TV series that's set in space, and it's not Buck Rogers. You look for the little rabbit in the magician's hat, because we've had many acts here at the Marionette Theater, including magicians. <laughs> yeah. Read the instructions. You can find out what you're getting on Christmas morning. You just highlight next to the little rabbit in the hat, and you'll find out what we're watching. Absolutely. DJ, that's spectacular. We are at the very end of our show. Before we leave, I cannot not talk about. Let's spend just a minute or two talking about the end of the old dark house. Uh, DJ, am I correct in uh, uh, understanding that you only just saw it recently? Yes, I saw it in the last week or so. Okay, listen, what, I got to know, when you saw that last part where the action kicks up and that maniacal old guy comes out and starts setting the damn place on fire <laughs> and poor uh, Melvin Douglas has to stop him. Did that seem shocking to you? Because I got to tell you, when I first watched this, when that part came around, I, for a 1932 movie, I was shocked. This scene has savagery like you wouldn't believe. At one point, the old guy is trying to bite Melvin Douglas's neck, for heaven's <laughs> sakes. This is a savage fight. I just wonder, when I saw it, this bowled me over. Like the last seven minutes of this movie just no, I shocked the hell out of me. I, I know that it's it's many decades apart and maybe possibly half a century, but it reminded me of a season cliffhanger of the TV soap opera Dallas. The brothers playing <laughs> in a fight, and one thing leads to another, and they end up knocking something over, and the whole house is going up in flames. And then you're left to wonder what what happens until next season. But yeah, they're they're rumbling, they're tumbling, and they've got a knife, and things are just getting set on fire. They they, they they topple they topple through the railings and fall from the second story to the first. And, and, and it's, it all happens very fast. But what I'm impressed by is just the the energy that th this whole thing just suddenly happens. And for about four minutes on screen, you see this incredible, savage struggle that 
it just impressed the hell out of me. I couldn't believe it. And what's interesting to note is um, it was uh, noted in some of the trivia that, you know, here we've got this fire that's being set by the maniac of the house who's been quietly hidden away, which was typical of the times until more modern times where we had better, you know, medicine and understanding of mental health. People used to be tucked away in the basement or in the attic so that the, you know, the general public wouldn't see when they would come to call. Well, you've got the, 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 uh, the lunatic for lack of a better term tucked away and he's set free. And now he's the tiger on the prowl and he's setting the place on fire, but nobody seems to notice the fact that he set the fire and we forget about it. They have a fight and it's like, nobody put out the fire. Ha! You are absolutely correct, TJ. Let's uh, sometimes mention something they just kind of forgot to show in the movie. But seriously, this freaking house is on fire, and then it's not, and we never, we never really know why or how the fire was put out. <laughs> we didn't start the fire, to quote Billy Joel. <laughs> There you go. Well, <laughs> folks, I hope that what we've talked about here may inspire you to go look at a movie as old as 1932. Yeah, it's black and white. Yeah, maybe the copy is that you're seeing. The, the sound is staticky and whatever, but I hope you can stick around and see it and enjoy it. See it as a product of its time. See it as something that influenced uh, the genre of horror, spooky haunted house movies for decades and appreciate it for what it was because that's how I see it. That's the magic of this old house. I sure hope that you uh, try to see a version of it, the original version, hopefully. <laughs> Yes. So uh, for those of you who may have been late to the show, this episode will be available for download early in the week. Now, also, uh, we have video available on YouTube. Now, typically, this is an audio only podcast, but from time to time, we may play it up with sets and or costume. So until the downloads available, you can go to our YouTube channel. You just search for Matinee Minutia or click on the YouTube link on our webpage at matineeminutia.com. So I'm going to go ahead and play us out, dear sir. All right, DJ, it was fun tonight. Our Halloween special. I loved it. I had a great time, too. So, uh, you know, you guys be careful there and uh, check your candy before you eat it. Please do. And everybody in the chat room, thanks for joining us. It's so good to see you, especially Tommy and Crone was there. Ah, it's great. Yes. And uh, welcome, Crone. And hopefully this is the first of many such visits. Okay, I'm going to play this out. Thanks for tuning in to Matinee Minutia. Our show is live every other Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Stop by univospods.net, click the tower for streaming audio, and enter Discord for chat. Follow us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Have a comment, question, or a suggestion for a topic? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. And of course, you can visit our website at matineeminutia.com. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice.
We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net.